Welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today we will be discussing what we can discuss with our new candidates and our people who are interested in masonry. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Good evening. My name is Matthew Apple, and I'm a brother here in the great state of Washington, along with our very worshipful brother, David Colbeck, and our other two guests, or excuse me, our other two hosts from the, the Great White North are here as well, uh, right worshipful brother Trevor McCune, who's the Grand Historian of the Grand Lodge of British Columbia in the Yukon, and worshipful brother Stephen Chung. Um, thank you for coming to our show today. We're going to be talking about what we can discuss with our candidates and sort of our the experience of young masons and uh, people who are petitioning masonry and how that relates to our lodges. Our topic for this evening is going to be what can we tell the candidate before he becomes a mason? Mm. Or what should should he be encouraged to read about us or not? I'm sometimes conflicted on this very issue. What conflict? I was trying to relate what we were chatting about on Facebook Messenger earlier and that's about as good of an explanation as I got to. Is that you just got uh, started because of Cameron's thing? That that was that was the only. He, Trevor asked what we were talking about, and I said that's a good question. I, th- I said this is what we were chatting about about Cameron's thing, but and we could continue on. I, I there was a, a new there was a Mason that responded to his chat that unfortunately he said he had had a difficult experience with Washington, one of the lodges in Washington, and. He received, while well, he received his first degree, it was a very difficult process. And he said his, his message, his words, I'm not going to, it's public on Facebook, so it's not like it's, he said it was, a lot of it was digital, and I, or, or a lot of it was recorded. And we thought, gosh, I wonder how that happened. So maybe he, Washington does have a DVD set of the lectures. Yep. So maybe he received the lecture by a DVD. I can't imagine the degree being by DVD. Yeah, I think I told you before, I, I think I was the test candidate for the third degree lecture on that. Uh, oh, really? Santi Lascano did the third degree lecture and projected it and then, yeah. Gotcha. But he also recited it. He did not recite, they did, the the lecture was pretty much like a slideshow with audio. And then there were some things like the grand hailing sign or, or whatever that were not there. And he stood next to the screen and did like did the grand hailing sign of distress or, the, or whatever. But all the rest of it, all the words almost all the words were part of the, the video presentation. It was disappointing. Underwhelming. <laughs> exactly, yes. It was actually, that was the reason why I learned the third degree lecture was because <laughs> I said, this will not happen again. <laughs> and so that's, I do the third degree lecture for my lodge now because of that. If, if you can just do a video or audio presentation of the ritual or the lectures, why don't you just email that to them and stay home that evening? That was exactly, I've, I've, I've heard that same criticism. I could just watch this on YouTube. So I think David said, somebody said that, or you said and that. It, and in fact, as we move towards having uh, conferring of degrees on Zoom meetings, well, that's where we'll end up. 
There you go. Be careful about how, how loud I say that because there's people who want to do that. <laughs> yep. Not sure if there's anyone in this room. Our deputy grandmaster had posted a, a, a one of his blog posts. He he writes a blog every week or every month or whenever his he finds something he doesn't like, and so he uh, he posted to the Grand Lodge Facebook page his latest blog about an experience that one of the brothers somewhere or actually was an issue a guy that was thinking about joining masonry he somehow got into this masonic education facebook group and and he was asking the members what should i read or what could i read that wouldn't interfere with my experience coming into the craft and he said i'd like to read morals and dogma and cameron provided multiple instances where people commented at length about why he shouldn't read morals and dogma how it's you know, either too much information or not enough information or only applies to Scottish Rite or doesn't apply to Freemasonry or just all these negative, negative, negative comments. And he said he was the only one that said, yes, I would recommend reading that. It's, of course, a, a lengthy read and a significant amount of material, but you would experience quite a bit. One of, one of the things he pointed out was that all the comments or a lot of the comments didn't imply that the three degrees the information of three degrees were even in there like they didn't know they existed in morals and dogma and that's that it, they are in morals and dogma of course and I, i've not read it i can't say of course i shouldn't say of course i, I have not read it myself but uh, i know that they're in there and so he he commented about that how we as masons have essentially shown ourselves at least those that commented in that posting about how we sh how we're not positive how we should be more positive in our approach with Masons. And as a follow-up, there was somebody that I mean, happened to be a Mason. He posted a comment about that thread, how he had had an, a, a difficult experience in Washington. He had joined a Washington Lodge, become an apprentice, ended up having to move away and received his second and third degrees as courtesy in another state, and then came back and he wanted to rejoin his lodge and become master Mason. And they say, well, you have to prove your proficiency before we'll recognize you. And it was, it was a difficult thing to read. And so I commented quickly and said, I think we could fix your experience if you'll let us and put my name in. And he chatted back and within an hour, I had him connected to a new lodge and the chairman of our leadership training committee. And matter of fact, within the hour after that, our deputy grandmaster who had made that post saw that I had commented and he said, just let me know. We'll make sure that his experience is better and at the Grand Lodge level as well. Uh, apparently, unfortunately, the Lodge had dropped him, not advancement. We have a new, was about, man, about three years ago, we added in our, our end of communication, uh, an opportunity so that other, that entered apprentices or fellow craft that don't advance can be can be dropped from the rolls for non-advancement because we had these entered apprentice. There wasn't an avenue for that. All these entered apprentices that have been in there for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever you enter them in the system and you can never remove them, even though they're really never going to come back. A couple had passed away, but they're still an apprentice and you can't remove them. Couldn't remove them. There wasn't a physical process in the code to do that. So they, we passed a resolution that allowed for non-advancement removal. Most lodges took it pretty seriously and realized that, Hey, this guy might want to continue at some point. And so they, there is an option to postpone it's up to the lodge or you don't have to drop them for non-advancement it's a vote of the lodge and most lodges will discontinue of course if there's somebody that has certainly made their point they don't want to be in it or won't want to continue then yes they could be removed but so kind of hard to continue if they pass on though it is 
It is. A little bit. Yeah. The final degree. Yeah, the final degree. Yeah. Sounds like a fairly inflexible lodge. Now, in this jurisdiction, in British Columbia and Yukon, you have to be examined after each degree to progress, and you have to be examined after the Master Mason degree, or you don't get presented with your certificate. Correct. And proficiency is the the lodge is the sole judge of the proficiency in Washington as well, according to our constitution. However, to for the third degree, which is unique, uh, the third degree proficiency isn't required unless you want to become an officer. Even and and again, it's there are a certain elements, a real basic elements that are required in our constitution, our code that that they must know the uh, signs and words and grips. I think there's a few things that are spelled out. Other than that, though, proficiency is up to the lodge. But they, it, the other part is that, the, you know, what I always find funny, and I was when I was deputy, this is the way I gave my speeches. I said that, you know, the code says that the standard work is the only work, and there will be no other. Well, the posting lecture, which is what we call the po- the proficiency, the posting lecture is in the standard work. And so if there is no other and there is no short form, then the full posting lecture is the requirement. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <clears throat> actually, yeah, yeah. Makes sense, right? But contradictorily, so, the code says you can, the lodge is the sole judge of proficiency. They can decide whatever they want it to be. <laughs> well, you'll find contradictory things in everyone's constitution, I, I expect. We only made it a requirement that all lodges have to examine in the Master Mason degree to get your certificate in the last five years, I think. Uh, And it actually upset a number of members because the English tradition, our emulation lodges, which only make up about 10 of our lodges, but nevertheless, their history is they do not in their ritual have an examination for the Master Mason degree. You've been raised, you're a Master Mason. That's yeah. it. You don't have to be, you don't have to prove it. Well, that. we, in our lodge, uh, we do the ancient work at Prince Charles. Um, technically, they do not have to prove up as a master mason um, unless they want to become an officer in our lodge. Um, but yeah, technically they've been raised and they are considered a master mason and they have all the rights to vote and everything else in our lodge but they cannot go up the line unless they prove their proficiency. Uh, I think constitutionally what we, how we handle <clears throat> this now is uh, you, you are a master mason, you get to vote, you get your dues card, everything else as a master mason as soon as you're raised. But uh, if you want your master mason certificate, you've got to prove up, you have to be examined. If you don't want the certificate, fine, but you need to have the certificate to, I think it's to become a warden. Um, and of course you have to be a warden before you can be a master. So in effect, it's trying to steer the similar course, but still a little more centralized and still a little frustrating for our emulation work lodges. And you all have a nice actual certificate that you produce, don't you? Boom, it's a 11 or 12 by 17, 12 by 18. Yeah, um, our, our constitution says that you can request one for a dollar. And so I had read that and I, <laughs> Matt's laughing because he knows the story. After Grand Lodge a couple of years ago, I think it was the last one. I got home and I said, and I kept th- saying, you know, I'm going to order one of those. I'm going to order one of those. And so, and I have this Masonic wax stamp 
and I have this really cool paper that's black on one side and white on the other, and it's kind of a night, you know, really good quality. And so I, I wrote up this really formal letter, most you know, right worshipful grand secretary, and uh, you know, it was quoted the constitution and included a crisp dollar bill, brand new, and folded it up really nice and wax sealed it and put it in an envelope and mailed it to him. And he called me and he said, Colbeth, what is this? <laughs> I said, well, right, Worshipful, if you look at the Constitution, look at the code, it says that I can request a certificate of good standing from the Grand Lodge for a dollar. I said, just be prepared. I'm going to send you $50 for the rest of my members. <laughs> Did they have a template or a blank of any sort? They had to make something up. He made something up, and it was, it was nice. It prompted me to, to develop something. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever be used or not, but it was it was interesting. It was an inter interesting exercise. So, so Washington has not presented Master Mason certificates for quite some years then. I never, done, well, again, we've only been Mason for 12 years. So I don't know, 13 years. Well, you'd have to go back into your constitution. And maybe some lodges do, but not the Grand Lodge officially. Well, no, this one is, this is, we actually, constitutionally, it's referred to as a Grand Lodge certificate. It's not a Master Mason certificate. I the story it, that we were talking about was of someone who had petitioned the lodge and was discussing what they can, what they should read as an entered apprentice or as a petitioner. And uh, I, so my personal opinion, uh, I, I'm hesitant to tell, my opinion is that going into the degree, the sort of the less they know, the better, that the, the lodge getting to make that fresh, fresh imprint uh, on the blank slate is, that's mixing my metaphors there, but is the, is probably the, the way to go that they, the candidate gets to have that experience um, not knowing a whole lot going in. And there's, I mean, there are some things you could, I'm sure you could say that wouldn't ruin the whole experience, but um, someone was mentioning earlier that maybe they should read morals and dogma. And that seems a bit, I think after your first degree, read maybe the first degree section of, of a book or a book about masonry, but about the ritual and the initiation itself, I, I would be hesitant to recommend anything pretty much. Um, you, now that I've said that, you guys <laughs> had thoughts or? I certainly, I certainly told potential candidates and those who were taking the degrees not to try and read anything about the ritual. Certainly don't read the ritual, which is easily available out there. But if you want to read about our philosophy, if you want to read about our history, there's dozens and dozens of recently published books and hundreds of older books go right ahead. Morals and dogma, well, if that's where your mind goes, uh, I, it's been several years since I've read Morals. I actually read it twice, cover to cover. Just before there was a PDF version of it available, I could have just done a keyword search on, but I had to, I had to read it looking for Luciferian references during my anti-Masonic research. So at this point, I don't really remember how much he actually talks about the ritual itself. And I don't recall that he did this with the specific, certainly of the three degrees. So if he wants to read that, fine. I don't have a problem with him. But yes, nothing about the ritual, nothing about the actual ceremonies itself or else. He's, and I've had one very well-read fellow who went through the degrees and afterwards told me, he said, I really wish. I hadn't have read this all beforehand. It would have made a whole much more real world impact on me if, I, if I'd held off, but curiosity. Yeah, I don't know about uh, 
what someone should or shouldn't read because I haven't read many of the Masonic books myself. Uh, I figure it's all about the experience. And so that's what I do is just live the experience, right? Uh, the, the make the connections and, and experience that brotherhood directly. Um, I've been, of course, around the organization since I was 14. So I have uh, a, a different insight than most. Um, but even as I uh, put people through the six-step program, I only ever really indulge on the structure of the lodge, the um, the hierarchy of, of, and how it's run and uh, the things that we do um, never really uh, even talk much about the uh, degrees other than the fact that once they go through a degree, they're expected to um, recite from memory uh, a recollection of the degree, right? And uh, because I got to properly prepare them for that, right? But other than that, I don't tell them anything about the degrees or the process, what to expect for anything. Um, but that's mm, because I'm of the opinion it's best experienced rather than uh, learn through uh, some uh, somebody else's experience, right? I think too that wasn't so much as you as you both have related. It's not so much about the experience itself or the degrees itself. Is more I think Trevor he was curious about some philosophical ideas, and it was his question. Hey, I'm I was going to read Morals and Dogma. What do you think? And it was disappointing that there was so many people, Masons, that said, "Oh, don't read that," or uh, you know that they're wasn't the right information in there that was really about Scottish right and not about masonry in general. I, I would have to know the fellow in question to see how I would respond to it. But as a rule, no, I don't recommend morals and dogma to, to a, uh, an early candidate or an early member, um, unless given the very clear proviso, this, all of morals and dogma is one man's opinion. And it's one 19th century man's opinion <laughs> and a self-educated one at that <laughs> brilliant but you know put it in context uh, and sure if, if someone if someone's interested in that sort of minutiae of our current of, of arcana of <laughs> turn him loose on it because we certainly don't have any other text of comparable density <laughs> well the one the one thing that we do have though is is a a collection of different uh, articles and and whatnot in that have been added to the six step program, oh, so that sure. there is a lot of a lot of uh, literature that we can give them to read, um, rather than pointing them in the direction of a book um, that you know is is generally out there. Uh, I think that uh, the content in which or the content that is in those documents is far more valuable for them. And it gives them, I think, uh, a little more um, depth um, without revealing anything. Um, that I think it seems to satisfy most of them as far as wanting to learn something more about us um, and yet still not be have those secrets revealed or the, or the process or, or anything that would really uh, ruin their experience of going through it. 
my recollection, and it, it's been a while since I have a copy of Morals and Dogma up there somewhere, but uh, it's been a while, honestly, since I cracked it open. And when I did read it, I, <clears throat> I may not have read it as thoroughly as probably one ought to have. Um, I, although I will specifically say that the, the version I have is the Arturo de Hoyos version where he annotated a lot of stuff. And, and man, that is a lifesaver because, yeah, there's a lot, of good, a lot of good information in those footnotes. But my recollection of the, of the first three degrees, specifically the third degree, in that the Scottish Rite system is that the third degree is not the same as the degree that we do. And the end point of the third degree is not as the same as the, end, as the end point of the third degree that we use. So there might be some significant differences in there. And maybe it's not material, but... And this is something whenever you recommend, whether it's papers found in, in the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon's Six Steps to Initiation, one of those documents, whether it's a book that you'd like to hand off to it, in, in all of this, I constantly tell people, anyone who writes a book is, has an agenda, a perspective, and an opinion, and you've got to triangulate in on your own truth by reading a whole lot of different ones. Don't, don't accept any of them. Uh, I didn't even remember that much about, about morals and dogma. So that would be a specific point to say, listen, you're looking for symbolism, fine, read this, but don't look for exactly what's gonna happen next right. Tuesday night or whatever. Yeah, I, I will say our, our lodge, actually I happen to have a copy of it here. Our lodge has been get, in the past, that we haven't done in the last couple of years, has given people a, a copy of Freemasons for Dummies, uh, after, usually after their first degree to, as, a, as a, a thing and there's a, there's a lot of good information in there about masonry. A lot of it's, I mean, it's like you said, it's one guy's perspective from, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name now, Hodap, Chris Hodap um, from Indiana. And, and uh, but it's got a lot of really good stuff in there that, that uh, but we stopped doing it, like I said, a couple of years ago. I'm not quite sure why, but. Well, and, and it's a fine book. Although again, bring it up into Canada, into British Columbia and more than half of our lodges, uh, members and half of our lodges, wouldn't understand a lot of it because it is what we call the ancient work. So there's, there's a lot of every time you can't just hand someone a book and walk away. You've got to be able to, to interpret it for them and how it places into the rest of our uh, our literature. And it's the same. The degrees are the same way. You 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 can't give the, do the degree and then say okay thank you. <laughs> it's you Quite having so. that conversation with your mentor after the degree is is. I more than half the battle, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things we do when we um, give somebody a paper to read in the, in the initiation process is we do follow up and answer questions that are posed from it um, and um, share insights, things like that, on the topics that are brought up from it. Um, you know, it, it keeps it different. I've generally found the majority of our members aren't that deeply interested in the history. They, they, they want an overview of it, but they're not going to dig too deeply into it. Uh, which disappoints me because that's my interest. Uh, because while well, we were talking about differences between our two jurisdictions, and uh, where in Washington State, you had to recently change your constitution to allow you to drop members who hadn't proceeded. Our constitution always has had, has given the lodges uh, the authority to, if they wish, drop someone after a year. Uh, and that's always been in there. But 
the question about so you brought that in a couple of years ago in my mind i'm wanting to go look at your proceedings and your constitutions since your founding to find out at what point that changed figure out who was responsible and why they would have changed that or why it was never included in the first place. Those are the sort of history questions that, that I find fascinating in any social organization. But of course, I don't have an awful lot of, of, of like-minded brethren around me. <laughs> and, and with that, I think we're, we're running out of time here on our, our conversation of above lodge governance and people joining lodges maybe. Uh, but it was a, a good conversation. It was an interesting topic. And uh, on behalf of David and Trevor and Steve and myself, uh, thank you all for coming out to another episode of the Working Tools Podcast. Goodbye.